and uh, amen. We want to just get it right into the Word today. Um, you know, I, I was just kind of uh, seeing some things on the news and listening to some things, and, and obviously, you know, there's, you can't ignore some of the things that are happening and going on around us um, but, you know, as you see those things, I'm wondering uh, what happens in your heart. You know, do you get angry? Is that something when you see some of the things that are happening in our generation, our culture? Um, do you get angry? Do you get frustrated? Do you, do you get fearful? Um, or is there compassion that dwells, uh, kind of wells up in your heart? You know, the Bible says that Jesus wept over Jerusalem, didn't he? Amen, because of their spiritual condition, didn't he? And, and the Bible also says that he looked and he saw people, he saw, their, he saw their physical need, and then he saw their spiritual need. And the Bible says he had compassion on them because they were broken, and they were worn out, and they were distressed. Amen, and they were sick. And so sometimes when you look and you see what's going on, amen, don't, don't have this tendency to get angry or fearful or hopeless. Amen, let compassion well up in your heart. Amen, because how many know miracles happen when compassion begins to flow? Amen, amen. People come to the Lord when we begin to show compassion and, and show the love of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to do that. Amen. And, and uh, some of you, you know, you, you, I don't know if you're just really frustrated, you're, you know, with what's going on or whatever, but let's keep praying for what's going on. Let's keep praying and believing God that we're going to have a harvest of souls. And uh, in the midst of what's going on in darkness, how many know this, the light is more powerful? Amen. Where sin abounds, grace is what? Much more abound. Amen. So I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Today I just want to uh, preach a little bit. We kind of were on a theme there for a while, but in Romans chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 1. So if you have your Bible, you can turn in there or you, uh, click on your device to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to pray, uh, preach, say the scripture, then we'll preach. All right, whatever. And then we'll pray and we'll get into the Word today. Amen. But uh, one of the things I love about this uh, very familiar passage of scripture has so many, so many truths to it. And I just want to bring out a few today about transformational living, about being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read out of the NIV. It says this in verse 1. A very familiar passage of scripture, but I love it. Uh, Paul's saying, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship or response to God. Verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to, to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. By the way, that's what he's saying. For in verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And then he goes on to talk about this transformational living as a Christian. Amen. And so one translation of, of chapter 12, verse 1 says, we do not live as before, wrapping ourselves in the world and its bankrupt values. We live in constant renewal and transformation of our minds. Verse 1, he's saying, because of his mercies, because of the mercies of God or what God has done for us. He says, Paul says, okay, because of his mercies, this is what we should do and why we do it. So he says, we do this because he did this. How many believe that's what Paul's saying? So because of the mercies of God, so because of his mercies, then we offer our, our bodies a living sacrifice. So we do this because in response or because he did this. And so my worship and it is really a response to the mercy of God. How many believe my lifestyle is really a response to the mercy of God? 
right? So he said, this is your reasonable service, or this is the least we can do. This is the least thing we can do is offer yourself up to God wholeheartedly. That's the least you can do for all that God has done for us. That's what he's saying. Because of the mercies of God, this is your reasonable. Or it is the only rational reaction to all the good gifts he showered on us. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. How many are just thankful for what God's done in in your life? Amen. And all the mercy that God has shown you. And so my worship, my thoughts, and my actions are fueled by God's mercy. That's what he's saying. And then in verse 2, he said, and he gives some instructions. He's okay, well, here we go. Don't be this, but be this by doing this, right? Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he said, don't be this, be this by doing this. And so then he clearly teaches in the rest of Romans chapter 12, he teaches that our worship, our thoughts, and our actions are not just fueled by the mercy of God. Now they are changed by renewing our minds. Think about it. So not only are my worship and my thoughts and my actions fueled by the mercy of God, amen, how many believe that? But now they are changed, amen, by renewing my thoughts. And so we see this cooperation with the Lord and we see this interaction of relationship with us, amen. And so I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about this transformational living that Paul is talking about. And one of the questions that as we get into this and I wanted to ask right away is, how do you respond to the mercy of God in your life? How uh, how does the gospel change or uh, affect your daily uh, actions and decisions? Is the gospel something that is still fueling your life or was a one-time experience that you have this little plaque on the wall and you say, I became a Christian in that year, right? Or is it something that is fueling our actions and our thoughts on a regular basis? So this is what he's asking. He's pointing these questions. But how many believe that, amen, it's not uh, uh, something that I tried years ago. I think I'll try a new drug or I need some kind of religion in my life. But when I met Jesus, he changed me. And I'm following after him and because I love him and the Bible says we love him because what he first loved us and gave himself for us amen that fuels my life that's the thing that is causing change about in my life amen not just me becoming more uh, a positive person in society more productive person in society amen that I can get along better with people but because I met Jesus face to face and he's changed my life amen how many feel that way man when I met Jesus everything changed right That's why we worship the way we worship, because God's done such an awesome work in our life. Amen. And you know, one of the things I got thinking about as you read this scripture, I realized that Christianity isn't something that you customize. It's something you conform to. Amen. It's not something I can customize, uh, you know, the the grace of God and the mercy of God, and and this is how I want to live, God. No, it's something I conform to. Too. That's what he's saying here. Amen. And, and, and why? Because it's about a person. It's about Jesus, not religion. It's not, it's not about a system because Paul's talking about don't be conformed to a system. He's saying be transformed by a person. Amen. How many believe it's all about Jesus? Amen. Right? couple Christians. Wow, we got our work cut out for us this morning. Amen. But we're connected to a person, not a brand. I'm not connected to a brand of Christianity. I'm connected to Jesus himself. Amen. And because I'm connected to him, because I'm joined to Jesus Christ, I'm being changed into that image, not a symbol of Christianity. Amen. I'm being changed. That's what Paul is trying to stress here. That we've. He said, I beseech you by the mercy. This is something you've got to get a hold of 
is what he's saying. We've got to live according to this way right here. And you know, the Bible says in verse 1, I don't want to miss this, he says, and because of the mercies of God, or what Jesus did at Calvary. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's not talking about just how God met your need and he gave you something when you prayed for it. No, he's talking about what Jesus did at Calvary. How many see that clearly? By the mercies of God. He said, because of that. And you know, one of the things that happened when I met the Lord is that my heart was converted wasn't it? I mean, the Bible says that I was translated or changed. I, I was brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Once I was blind, now I see. Once I was lost, now I found. How many know Christianity is all about distinction? Amen. East and west, right? up and down, hell and heaven, right? It's all about distinction. Amen. And so the Bible says that there was a distinct change that happened when I got saved. I was converted to Jesus Christ. I wasn't converted to River Valley Church or at that time the Door Fellowship. I wasn't convert, converted into a family religion. I wasn't converted into American theology of Jesus. I was converted into Christ. How many believe that? Amen. How many know Jesus? Amen. I was baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And convert means to turn. It means to change or that revolution changing and turning. It's the same word that we get repent. Or the word repentance comes out of that. You know, four times in the New Testament, there is a, a prophecy that, that, that is referred to four times in the New Testament. Jesus does it a, a couple times and then in the book of Acts. And that was a prophecy by Isaiah. And Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 6. He basically said, people without God, they can't see, they can't hear, and they can't understand God. Right? He said, but when they believe, they can see, they can hear, they can understand, right? They are converted and they are healed. That's a picture of salvation. How many have been converted by Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. How many know? I'm not going to hell in a handbasket, I'm going to heaven. Amen. I've been converted. That's the conversion of salvation. And many people uh, think that Christianity is just changing a religion, not a lifestyle. I mean, you know, it's changing a lifestyle, not just a religion, amen. It's coming into so, And you know something, uh, so many times we're desperate to have God change our situation, but God is desperate to change us. You know, some of us are a little hurt that God would want to change us. I mean, you know, there's some people that are a little hurt that God doesn't want to just inspire you, He wants to change you. Because some of us feel we're okay, we're pretty good. God is lucky to have me on this side of, right? Come on. I mean, there's some people believe that. We just believe, man, uh, what? God wants to change me. There's something about me that, do, that needs to change. Are you kidding, right? I mean, no. Amen. He doesn't want to just inspire you. He wants to change you. And there was that conversion at salvation. But I love this about the Christian life. And it is a process of change. It is a glory to glory. A faith to faith. It is a stepping up. The Bible says in, in Psalms that the, the life of the righteous is, gets brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Isn't that great? Amen. Upward and onward. That is the direction of a Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Rather than downward before we knew Jesus. Amen. So we talk about, he talks about that because of the mercies, and I just wanted to cover that. And that is that conversion that took place in our hearts. But he said because of that conversion, because you've been translated, amen, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, now there's another process that the Lord is doing in your life. You're being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. 
Amen? And so he said, you've got to let this, this change happen in you. You've got to realize something that you, you, you can't be conformed to the world because if you just drift and you don't follow the Holy Spirit and you don't go God's way, how many know you're just going to be conformed to the world? He said, don't do that. He said, but instead, you need to intentionally live this life out in a way that you allow the Lord to transform your mind. And, and transform you by the renewing of your mind. Amen. And it goes like this. When you stop conforming or being changed by a godless society, you can live a transform or brand new life by the way you think. That's what he's saying here. That we stop being changed or, 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 or molded by a godless society, but you can be changed another way. You can be totally radically, is what this word means, radically changed by a, in a brand new way just by the way you think. Let me just go through the contrast of these two, uh, these two words here of conforming and transforming. Conversion and transforming, he's talking about here. That's the what equals change. The contrast is, is that to conform means to press in from the outside. To transform means to change from the inside out. That's what it means, all right? Both of them require change. Both of them require submission. And both of them require something else as a standard of measurement. Not our own, but something else, which we know is God's word, right? And one revolves around a system. The other revolves around a person, as he's talking about here. So one, it brings temporary change, the other permanent change. One leads to a decaying life, the other a growing life. One, you're pushed in by the world, the other you're led into a renewed life by the Holy Spirit, amen. One is, you're, you're basically saying you're either convert of the world or you're convert of Jesus, right? Amen, so you either conform to a system of death or you're transformed into a person of life, amen. And so we can conform to what everyone else says is good or we can be transformed by the one who is good, amen. How many know there's a lot of people that are being conformed but what they think is good? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the, way, the end of that is what? Death. But then there's another way that leads to life and peace, that's through Jesus Christ. So that's the contrast he gives, is this conforming and transforming, because he understands and, and he wants the readers here and us even now to understand that the world does not have the ability to transform. A world without God does not have the ability to transform, only conform. That's the only thing you can do. That's why the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are there that go. That's why Jesus saw people as sheep that were scattered. They just were kind of going each way. And everybody said, no, this is the way. No, this is the way. But then when Jesus came, he said, what? I am the way. Amen. And so there was that lifestyle of, conform, of transformation that Jesus offers. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And so the world doesn't have that ability to transform, only conform because they don't have the life of Jesus or the mind of Christ. Amen. That's why he says, you have the mind of Christ, that's why you can change your way of thinking. And if you put on that mind of Christ and exercise that mind, then you can be changed, amen, just by the way you think. Aren't you glad for that? I love that about the Lord. But, you know, when you conform to something, it's mindless. This is what he's saying. You don't need to think about it. It's a mindless exercise. You don't take, it doesn't take your brain. It's a surrounding pressure that you're just led into. You're squeezed into a mold, as one translation says. But Paul tells us in other uh, 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 letters, he says that we need to put on the new man that is created after Christ Jesus, amen? How many have put on the new man? Let me see your hand. If you've been baptized in water, you put on the new man, Christ Jesus. He says, put on the new man. But he says, it's not like a coat. 
You don't just put on new, new man Jesus or the characteristics of Jesus like a coat. That's hypocrisy. Why? Because you can just take it off when you wanted to. Right? You put it on on Sunday, you take it off on Monday. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. He said this becomes who you are. So in other words, you act like Jesus until you become like Jesus. You put on the new man. Amen. How many of you have working uh, real close with the Lord putting on the new man? Amen. Come on, we're still walking in that. We're putting on the new man every day. And so God doesn't transform you into these selfish desires, into your, your, this perception of righteousness or goodness. Come on. He doesn't transform you into what you want or what you like, but he transforms you into his image and his glory. Amen. So transformation is never a selfish process. It's not something that I want to become a better me, or I want this preference in my life, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow, I'm going to, you know, transform or change the Word of God and the ways of God to, my, to, to fit my lifestyle. How many know that's not how it works? Amen. We don't do that. It's not something he's saying that you transform into selfish desires. You don't just take your selfish desires and, your, and, and any kind of preferences that you want or any lust that you have or sin in your life and say, all I have to do is claim to be Christian and then I can still live that life. That's not transformation. Hello, that's not that's conformity. That's not transformation, is what Paul's saying here. So it, it's this world system he's saying you got to get away from, and the way you get away from it and change from it is change the way you think, right? And so uh, I know that the Lord never, and we've said this before, the Lord never says to us, "I'm going to strengthen you in sin." I'm going to strengthen your evil desires. How many of the Lord says they got to go? They got to change. You got to die to those things. You got to put, and then what do we do? We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Goodness, peace, righteousness, um, all the good things that are in the Lord. How many know love, joy, peace, long-suffering, pain, all these things that we put on are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Recently, sadly enough, uh, I heard a, a pastor uh, dressed in drag in church um, giving a sermon to children and trying to, and he's using this scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 about being transformed as a way to justify transgender. How many know that that's a gross misinterpretation and heretical, or heretic, a way of, of preaching this, and, and that's really heresy, is saying, look, uh, God wants, he can take all your desires and your lusts, and then all you have to do is claim you're Christian, and you're in. How many know that's not transformation? Amen? It's a changing of a complete change. Amen? But you don't change into what you want or what you define as being good. You change to Jesus. Change into his image and his goodness. Now, let me just say a side note about this issue. Now, uh, the church or Christians really have, uh, I want to say, a really, really strong platform to talk about social issues. Did you know that? We have, we have a really strong platform. Why do we have that platform? Because we were brought out of those issues. Because we were healed from those issues. I can talk about some things and address some things in our society, amen, because I was brought out of that. Because God healed me from that. God delivered me from that. Anybody in the room? Amen. That's why we can talk about it. Amen. But we don't just fight people and hate on. No, we're, we're telling people, look, I know the power and the glory that Jesus has to bring me out of that so I can address that. Because I know the power and the love of God that God heals people in that. Amen. 
out of that, brings them out of that. And so that's why we have that really that writer, uh, that, that kind of that segue to talk about these issues because what? He's brought us out of these issues into what? His glorious light and now we can address those because we know his power and his love, right? Anybody? Just a side note. Let's talk about transformational living. And, and it really uh, goes into this process. I want to go through this quickly. It goes in the process. And, and you know, Paul uses his words very wisely. He wasn't somebody that just kind of wrote off the top of his head. But he really chose the Greek words. And he, and he put them in there for a reason and on purpose. He, so he uses these words, conform and transform. He uses those in the right way, in the right tone, and in the right context. And it was deliberate. That's why he did those. And so one of the things as he talks about transformational living, it's not just a positive lifestyle, it's the way of God. He knew the way of God. And so he's saying, look, this is the way of God. And so he breaks it down. But let me just, let me talk to you about this process of transformation. Um, you know, it really means to come out of or come into to change, it means to change a physical form, structure, substance, and it, especially by a supernatural means. It's not something that you can do yourself. Now, although Paul says that you need to, you, you can be changed if you just change your way of thinking, right? But how many know it's not us changing ourselves, we're changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We're changed by God, amen. As we renew our minds, God changes us on the inside and, and, and out. And, and then also means an alteration in appearance. It's a character change, a circumstance change. And so it's this alteration in our character, in our behavior. How many know that when you met Jesus, you found your behavior? started to change a couple people that is amazing that's good again we got a work cut out for us this morning but I found myself I, I, I didn't want to do some things but I also I wanted to do these things I mean, what I'm talking about. And I want, you know, and so you find yourself, man, all of a sudden there's this transformation going on. There's this change in my life. There was this alteration, my character, behavior because of Jesus. Amen. And then, he, and then it gives us Greek word, and he's specific about this word. And he, and he gives us word transformation is where we know it as metamorphosis. Or, or uh, the, the best way we can describe it is that change from a caterpillar to a butterfly, Right? We always use that, so that's what he's talking about. But you know, a butterfly is not a flying caterpillar. It's totally different. It's not a bug with wings. It's completely different. Anybody? Some Christians live a life that they're just the same caterpillar, but they have wings now. That's not the way it works. How many of you never seen a caterpillar and then saw the same caterpillar Trans, transform into this butterfly. I have. I'd rather see the butterfly. Caterpillar's nasty and they stink. Did you ever smell? It just it, everything about a caterpillar is ugly, right? Except on a bug's life. He was great. But you know, think about it. And again, we could go back to that. Remember at the end of Bug's Life, way back, think about that. Here he is, he's getting ready. I'm turning into a beautiful butterfly. And he plops out the same caterpillar with little bitty wings, right? Sometimes that's the way Christians think of themselves. But it's not that way. You're not a bug with wings. You're not the same caterpillar that can fly now. No, that's not what it is. This same caterpillar has changed into something beautiful. There's a complete transformation process. And how many know what God wants to do in your life and does in our lives is beautiful. It's amazing. That's why Paul says, give yourself to God because he looks at it like, man, this is beautiful. When God sees the transformation happening, he's like, I like that way better. 
Amen. I like this way better than the caterpillar phase. Amen. I like this right here, what I'm doing in their life. It's beautiful to the Lord. How many believe it's beautiful to the Lord? Amen. What he does in our life. And so that's that transformation. We've got to hurry along here, but it refers to that process that begins inward and leads to an outward permanent change. That's what he's talking about. And transformation just means that. It means to change from the inside out. Paul's talking about something and, and, and these, these influence on the inside in your heart that literally is something's going on that changes the outside or affects the outside, that affects my actions, my behavior, my character, even the way that I appear. How many have ever seen the picture when you first got saved and now you look at yourself and said, wow, what a change? Some of you, right? Some of you, uh, right, yes. And so you look at that and that's just kind of that picture Paul's giving because transformation is the product of the gospel. It, because of the mercies of God, it goes back to the gospel message, to Jesus dying in the Calvary, saving us from our sins. Come on, burden bearer, and he's the one that, that came to save us from our sin. Because of that act at the cross, he talks about the gospel. That's what's going to bring the change. That's the transformation he's talking about, amen? How many know that it's not just positive thinking and, and, and good-natured people? It's the gospel that changes, amen? It's the gospel message that brings the transformation. Transformation, Amen. See, because Jesus didn't die on a cross. He didn't raise again. He didn't empower me with the Holy Spirit for me to become a better me. That's just a bug with wings. <laughs> That's not transformational. I'm not becoming a better version of myself. The Bible says that in me, of myself, is no good thing. Amen? We couldn't save ourselves. There's nothing about us that's lovely and good on our own. But with Jesus, there's righteousness. There's goodness. There's holiness. There's peace. There's love. Come on, somebody. Come on. Are you surprised that God wants to change you? Are you one of those people? You're like, oh, why do you, I'm such a great person. Why would you want to change me? Amen. No, Lord, without, without you, I can do nothing. Amen. We're all, we're all failures. We're all just, I mean, it's all, our, we can't be righteous. There's nothing we can do, amen, without you, Lord. And so I love that because the old me died. And the old me was buried in water baptism so that I could put on the new person, Jesus Christ. So that I could walk in his character and his nature, amen. How many know it's about him, not me, right? And so that's the transformation he's talking about, the product of the gospel. It goes back to verse 1. Remember the mercy of God, the gospel that came to you and how it changed you then. It's going to change you now. Amen. And one of the things I thought about before I move on, I want to just let you know that there's, there's, there's this whole thing about how that God wants me to become like him and not a better version of myself. Because I thought about it and I thought, since there was no good version of me to save me, then guess what? There's no good version of me to change me. I need him. How many believe that? There was no good version of you to change you, to save you. Amen? And so if that's the case, there's no good version of you to change you. Amen? But it's all about him. And I love that about the Lord. And the second thing is that product that we see. And so he goes in and talks about the transformation and he talks about the product, the product. And it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, he says this to the church. He opens up the letter and says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, your conduct, your conversation, the way you live your life. How many know there's a product of transformation? A lot of people think, oh, I've been changed in my heart, but I can do what I want. I'm still not clean. I still sin all the time. How many know the Christian life isn't like that? 
Amen? Is it like that? How many know there's a product of, mer- of the mercy of God in your life? There's a product of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. How many know you can tell when God's moving in somebody's life? You can tell when somebody's saved. You can tell. You know, come on, we've met people from all over the world. And I shouldn't say all the world, but when, when we've gone places in the world, I've met other Christians like, I can tell you're a Christian. There's this product of transformation. Amen? Come on, somebody. There's a product of transformation. You can go to church all you want to, and that doesn't change you, but you get close to God and begin to walk his way, do what he wants you to do, all of a sudden there's a change on the inside. There's this product of conversion in your life. How many believe that? And so Paul says that's the way you need to live, especially in front of the world. Let there be your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, you know, I believe that this regeneration of the heart that he talks about in Titus. He says this regeneration of the heart simultaneously works with the effects of behavior. So in other words, I can have a regenerated heart, but at the same time, I've got to understand there's these actions that follow. There's this behavioral change. Hello? Okay, we're going to get a little sticky. A lot of people, oh yeah, there's this behavioral change. It's not just something I feel in my heart. There's something that changes my behavior. Anybody? It changes my behavior. Someone that says, as in 1 John says, someone that says they love God yet they hate their brother, they really don't know God. Because if you know God, God is love. Hello? Right? And it's impossible for you to say, I love God, but I hate my brother. Then it proves, the Bible says, you really don't know God. You really don't have the love of God in your life. You can sing it and squawk it and proclaim it and declare it and post it, but it if you hate your brother, the Bible says, so there's a product, right? There's a product, and I just want to go through these quickly today. And one of the things that I've noticed about when we talk about the product of transformation, because everybody believes that, you know, they believe, oh, I believe God in my heart. Oh, I believe the Lord. He's changed my heart. But you know what? I can, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, doing my thing. I'm still living in sin. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. But, you know, I believe in my heart. I mean, you know, there's scripture after scripture and scripture that talk about the product of God moving in our lives. Amen? Changing our behavior, right? So, uh, you know, a trap for Christians that I've noticed, I just want to go through three things. Trap for a Christian is to eat a cake of lies because it has a crumb of truth. So we need to be careful, don't we? We need to be careful. Some of the things, as Paul warned us, as some, some of the preaching that we hear and some of the sermons that, that are coming out of the last days, Paul said, we got to be careful because they, you, know, you can be eating a cake of lies simply because it has a crumb of truth. And how many know that's what the devil moves? He, he's the father of lies, and he can make a cake of lies out of a crumb of truth. It starts with a crumb, doesn't it? It starts with an element of truth, doesn't it, right? And so we see this, and this is a trap for us if we're not careful about the transforming power of Jesus in our lives. And I think some of the traps are is that we could fall into the trap that behavior modification is a bad thing. And I've I, I heard people say this, that it's almost as if when we talk about the Lord changing your behavior, that he doesn't want to do that, that he's not in that business, that he just changes your heart. He doesn't change your actions. He, you know, that's something that happens automatically or when you decide to do that. Um, you know, we, we can't fall into that trap that says that the church is not here for behavioral modification. We're into soul transformation. Now, that has an element of truth there. There is soul transformation, right? Getting the soul right, getting saved. How many know? But how many know it's more than that, right? It is more than that. How many know? It's very hard to walk with the Lord and Him not have to deal with your behavior. 
I mean, that's like saying, I'm going to have ba- uh, kids and we're going to have this big family, but we're not going to correct them at all. We're just going to let them do what they want to do. I mean, that's not going to work. In fact, it doesn't work. You can probably someone across the street has that. You know, we see that in our society today. You know, you're in a store and you're like, uh, right? Okay. And having to know, there's some behavioral modification that goes on in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit leads you to behavior modification. Oh, he loves me too much. No, he loves you too much. He's going to lead you there. And if, if you love yourself more than you love other people, he's going to get you there quickly. You got to change that. Come on, somebody. You got to change that. I mean, the two greatest things love God with all your heart, love other people better than you love yourself. I mean, that's behavior modification right there. I mean, that's, that's going to take some change, isn't it? And so I, I know that there's this trap of, well, we're into this. And see, the concept is, is that very rarely did Jesus talk about morality and social issues in the scriptures. He talked about the deeper things of the heart, not behavioral modification. Jesus talked about the deep things of the heart. And, 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 and the concept goes like this, that if some of the issues like, like hate and homosexuality and idolatry, those things will work out themselves they'll work out themselves you know so Jesus never spent time preaching against those things he talked about the deeper things of the heart so what they're saying is is that hatred homosexuality and adultery are are surface issues they're not heart issues but how many know they're heart issues I said they're heart issues and Jesus preached heart issues didn't he didn't he? He went after the heart, didn't he? He went right after the heart into the Pharisees and he corrected them about marriage and he corrected them about creation. He corrected, corrected them about sin and righteousness, didn't he? How many have ever done that? Well, I'd like to see a scripture where Jesus comes right out and says this, right? Well, Jesus never used a cell phone. Find a scripture there. So there's a lot of things we can go there, but you think about it. The concept is, is that, well, you know, it, these are deeper issues. What, what other deep issues could Jesus deal with in the heart? He deals with the heart. So when you come to the Lord, he, he's not just dealing with your feelings. He's not just dealing with your victim. He, oh yeah, you, you feel bad for what you did. I'll change your feelings. No, he says, your heart is dark. I'll change your heart. Uh-oh. Amen. Come on, right? Because we believe that. And so let me move on. And that, that second trap we could fall into is that it's all about a personal belief, not godly actions. That it's more important to believe in your heart rather than what you do. And, and we can fall into that trap. How many know that sounds cool, but really what it is, is just, we're just merely, there's just this reformation of the flesh, not a regeneration of the spirit. Amen. Not a regeneration of the heart, not a changing of the heart. Amen. How many believe that what you do is what you believe? Right? That's, that's what the Bible teaches, is, is where, where your heart is, where your treasure is. I mean, it's all about your heart, and they're one thing. It's not, you're not, there's not this two people, three people. Well, I'm one way at church, I'm another way at my family, another way this way, and then I have these secret things going on, and then I'm this other person. How many know the Bible says that there's one person like that in the Bible, and it's called Satan? The Bible says that he transforms himself into an angel of light. And the Bible says that in the last days, you better be careful because there's going to be some preachers that will transform themselves into the apostles of Jesus Christ. 
Wow, isn't that crazy? There's this saying in this little, actually this uh, belief in witchcraft, it, and, and it believes that you can change your shape, you can change your appearance. It's called shape-shifting, where you're really this demon, but you have the face of a human, and you look nice, and, you, and then you shape-shift. How many of you, that's all demonic, right? And how many know, but in Jesus, it's all sincere. You're the same person, Amen. You're not two people, three people, four people, and got this going on. Amen. We're one person in Jesus Christ. That's the transforming power of Jesus. You don't have to be a hypocrite. You don't have to fake it. Amen. You don't have to uh, work for performance. Amen. Amen. And so, amen, we're going to get through this. But it's this personal belief and, well, I just believe in my heart and, and I really, you know, it doesn't matter what I do or how I behave and, and I can behave any way, but as long as I believe in my heart, amen. But I don't know how you put that in the context of marriage. I don't know how you do that. Like, I love you in my heart, but I'll never tell you. Not going to work, right? It doesn't work in marriage. Well, I love you in my heart. We're married in our heart, but on the outside, we're really not married. So I can behave like we're not married. Right? That's, what, that's the way, If you look at it in a Christian context, that's what people act with the Lord. I believe in my heart, but I don't have to show anybody or anything that I love God in my actions. Amen. Oh, getting deep. We got to go. All right. Third thing, and we got to wrap up. And that is God's love. Uh, this other trap we can fall into is God's love is an open affair. Uh-oh. The concept is, is that because God loves me so much, he doesn't require anything from me, and there's no conditions in his love. That's not biblical. I said that's not biblical. Amen? And don't worry, he's not offended. He's one of the musicians. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. A lot of people think, what's going on with all these people leaving? All right. Anyways, and it's funny because he comes back the same week, next week. All right. Anyways. But God's love, is not, God, God's love is not an open affair. What does that mean? It means that the love from God leads me to change. Leads me to change into that transformation, into his image. Amen. I mean, no, God's love leads us to change, not accommodation. It leads me to change. Because God loves me, he, he leads me to change. And the love of God doesn't give me a false sense of hope or a plastic feeling of approval. I mean, God, he doesn't flatter me. He sincerely loves me. And because he sincerely loves me, he seriously and sincerely leads me to change. He lovingly leads me to change. How many believe that? Amen. I mean, there's so many Christians that are trying to correct everybody else. But how many know the Lord wants to change us personally? Amen. It's not our job to change everybody else, but it is our job to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because he's doing a work in me. Amen? Right? And so because that's the love from God leads me to change, the love for God leads me to change. The love for God in my life, does, it leads me to change. It doesn't lead me to a fake performance or where I feel like I, I, don't, I don't need to change. The love for God in my life, as Paul was writing here, it leads me to want to change the way I think about things. It leads me to a lifestyle. Read the rest of the, of the chapter. It's all about changing your lifestyle for other people. That's why he says in verse 3, don't think of yourself so high. What does he say? You can be changed by the renewing of your mind. What's the first thing he says? Don't think of yourself high. 
higher than others. Is that what he says? So that's the first step. You can go through the whole chapter and you'll, you'll see there's verse after verse. It gives you those steps on how to be transformed, how to renew your mind. I love that about the Lord. So my love for God leads me to change. The love from God leads me to change. And the reality is that God tells us to love him and others. And he expects us to love him and others. He does. And he tells us that. And so when I'm fully engaged with God and really in love with the Lord, I want to do things that please him. Anybody? Amen. I want to do things that please Him. That's why He said that we do the things that please God. Not just that we would know His will for our lives, but that we would do things in such a way, change in such a way that would please God. Amen. And the last thing today I want to leave you with is this mind renewal. And I'm not going to spend a long time in it. But anyone that, you know, there's this thing where in our society, I believe that, um, and I found that anyone who says that evil isn't so bad. How many have ever got that? feeling that lately people are saying evil isn't so bad. You know where that starts? What well, starts with the thinking that starts out saying good isn't that great. <laughs> when men start saying evil isn't so bad, they usually say good isn't that great. I don't want to be good. I don't want to know the Lord. I don't want to conform to his holiness and his righteousness. I don't want that goodness. That's not that great. I think being bad is better. I think evil is kind of neat. I think it's kind of good. Amen. How many know that's not a good way to think? Right? That's not a good way. And so we need a mind renewal. And let me just go through this quickly. For, for those of you who've never heard this, that renewing of your mind means that you become brainwashed. It means to scrub your brain. <laughs> means to change the way you think. You go to that church that's brainwashed. Yes. And Jesus is leading the charge. And I serve the Lord and he's brainwashing me. Amen. Come on, because you were brainwashed into sin. You were brainwashed into disease and sickness and death. That was your way of thinking before you met the Lord. The Bible makes it clear that there was a transformation that happened, a conversion that happened, that not only now are you thinking about death and hell and the grave and, uh, and all kinds of despair, but now you're thinking about his goodness and his love and his righteousness. Amen. Right? And the kingdom of God and light and living and all these things because your brains have been washed. Amen. And so the gospel brainwashes us from what we had in sin to what God gives us in the kingdom of God. You were in a cult called sin. You were in a dysfunctional lifestyle called the flesh with evil and wrong desires and dreams and concepts and imaginations and ideas. And that system of thought led you to ungodly behavior. But now you come into the kingdom of God. Now you come into the kingdom of light where there's love, joy, peace, righteousness, all these things, light. I mean, you understand now. You get it now. You, uh, you value life now. You value your own life. You value family and marriage. and You want to do everything God's way. Why? Because there's a new way of thinking. There's this new, you've been transformed and translated into this kingdom of new thinking, this good and wholesome and right way of thinking. That's why people hated Jesus. That's why people hate you, because of this good, wholesome, right way of thinking. How I many have ever had somebody say, man, I don't like the way you think. Like, you are so narrow-minded. You are, so, you know, can't you just shake yourself from Christianity for a moment and just think for yourself? Said, you know what? I don't need to think for myself because I think like Jesus. I, I mean, this is the pattern that I have right now. And why am I trying to think outside of that? Amen. Right? 
Amen. And so we need our brains washed, don't we? And so what do we transform into? Well, I'm not going to get into it, but I want to encourage you to read the rest of Romans 12. And this is what it is before we stand. He says that we're transformed into a renewed worship with God. That's really where it starts, doesn't it? We're transformed into this new worship. We used to worship ourselves and all kinds of idols and money and things and, and lust. We used to worship these things, run after these things, but now our worship's renewed. Amen. And the more I get closer to God, the more I think about his mercies, the more it's not an issue for me to give myself to him. It's not Self-sacrifice isn't a big deal at all when I think about the mercies of God, right? Come on. And, and, and that's renewed worship. And then he goes in and shows us that there's renewed relationships. And then there's renewed actions. How many believe that God renews all things? Amen. I believe that. He teaches us how to renew. And that's through that mindset of what God wants us to think. It's not just positive thinking. It's just not, hey, we need to just look at the bright side of things. We're looking at the kingdom side of things. We're looking at God's perspective of things, amen? So how many believe that, amen, you can be transformed just by the way you think? You can be changed, amen? And God wants us to have this transitional living so that our community sees Jesus and our families know that there is a God who loves them, amen, and God is loving them through my life, amen? That people can look and say, not us, we're so special, we've got anything, we're just a caterpillar. But it's the transformation process that makes it beautiful, amen? How many believe that? Let's stand on our feet today. Amen. I always want to give you one last thing that Paul points out here in verse 1. Really what it is is that he says, By the mercies of God, you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. What's he saying there? Right? He's given us the key to this whole thing. Given us the key to the whole transi- transformational living. The whole transformational way. The whole uh, way that God changes us and transforms us. He gives us a key. He says this in verse 1 when he talks about, amen, that we should give ourselves as a whole sacrifice, acceptable to God. He says this, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in. See, the whole key about this, this life and the Christian life is surrendering to God. How many know that? It's all about surrender to the Lord. It's all about cooperating with Him and obeying His Word. Not going our own way, not doing our own thing, but opening up the Word and seeing, wow, God, you have a way that is awesome for me. And Lord, that's what you're changing me into. A lot of us would love to be these superheroes in the Bible. We would love to have all these gifts and all these things. you know. But we're just saying, Lord, I surrender what you're doing in my life. The way you're changing me. Come on, some of you say, well, I've been a Christian for a little bit. I'm still struggling with this, 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 and this. That's okay. God's still working in you. Hello? The key is, is that we surrender when he comes and he, and he deals with something. And he points his finger there and he says, it's time to change in that area. It's time to stop being a hothead and flying off the handle, you know, but now it's time to be a person of peace and of love. It's time to be a person that thinks in self-control and thinks about before they speak. It's, it's time to change that anger. Come on, somebody. Some of you come into this church and you look and you say, these people have been saved forever and they've got their life uh, all together. They're all perfect and everything. Well, first of all, you don't know the half of it, right? right. We all, God's working in all of us. Is that correct? Right. But then you think, oh, you feel ashamed and guilty, like, I've got this, and I've got that, and I've got this, I'm still, I'm falling. Listen, let me tell you something, it's all about your heart towards the Lord. 
When you're, when you're surrendering to God and you consecrate your life to the Lord, amen, God can use you like putty. He can, you're like potter, you're that potter, that soft clay in the hands of the potter, right? Amen, that soft clay. And that's what God does. He changes us, amen. Because the Lord knows if you were to change because we simply told you, you would hate it and you rebel, you get upset at us. You, come on, right? But when you do it and God does it, you know, God, you're loving me. God, you love me, and this is why I can do it. And so surrender is the key to transformational living. So when we surrender to the Lord, and we say like Paul, I'm all in because of his mercy. I'm all in because of the salvation of Jesus. I mean, what else can I do? This is the least I can do. How many of those no sacrifice too great that measure the grace of God? We could never give so much back to God that would measure the grace of God in our lives. But he just asked for small things and little things. But how many know, just like the Lord is so good, he never gives you, takes away something without replacing it with himself. Amen? So if the Lord's asking you to give something up or change the, know this, something better is coming. Something better is in its place. God wants to give you, amen, joy for mourning and depression and anxiety. God wants to give you peace. Amen. God wants to give you love and all for anger and for rage and for all these things. God wants to replace it with himself, which is way better. How many believe that? Amen. So how many can lift their hand to heaven and say, man, I, Lord, I, wanna con- I just want to surrender, amen, because you're changing me. I thank you for the transformational living and power in my life, God, that you're doing. I thank you today, Lord, that you are the one, amen, that I'm changing to. I thank you, Lord, that it's not me and become a better version of myself. It's about being a living Christ. Let people see Jesus Christ in my life, Lord. We just thank you today, amen, for the sal- salvation of Jesus who forgives us and heals us and turns us around, puts our feet on a solid foundation, Lord, gives us life and life more abundantly and promises us that if we walk according to his way, we will have a home in heaven. Lord, I pray today those that don't know you, Lord, they would come to you, run to you, run to the knowledge that Jesus Christ loves them, died for them, and wants to baptize them in water so that he can be formed in them and he can be seen in in them and that his ways can be, Lord, just seen in their life. And I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here that's really struggling today, I pray that we would just surrender. Just surrender and say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever you want to change, I pray, I cooperate with you. Lord, I just move with you. and Just thank you. The Holy Ghost is working in my life today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand and just thank God what he's doing in our lives? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.